Robert Shortsleeves is a real estate investor who's built a successful wholesaling career from the ground up, doing over 80 deals a year. From his humble beginnings in Alabama, to a career in the Army, to his real estate adventures, to a three-month remote work trip in Bali. Robert shares his insights on sourcing off-market real estate deals, struggles around building a reliable team, and how to level up in the world of real estate by focusing on adding value to those just ahead of you on your journey. Welcome to the Truly Passive Income Podcast. I'm Neil. And I'm Clint. And today we have a friend of mine, Robert Shortsleeves from Shortsleeves Real Estate out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. Bob, thank you for coming on the show today. Welcome. How are you, man? Doing well. Appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks for being here. So I first met you, Bob, at the Pints and Properties in Fayetteville, North Carolina, a couple years ago. In passing, we were talking about short-term rentals at the time. And I got the word that you're a wholesaler up and coming and doing some big things. And since then, uh, there's a group of people there that I become good friends with. There's a lot of, there's a lot of active real estate investors in that market. A lot of very sharp people, a lot of young, hungry people, military discipline, just going for it. So I follow the career of a lot of those people. And one of the reasons I wanted you on the show is that we talk about truly passive income a lot. And I think that there's some overlay with some of the things you're doing, some of it, not so much, but I think there's some really important lessons to be learned. But from that time I was there a couple of years ago, of the people I watched, I think you've probably, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a feeling you've probably closed more deals than anybody else in the room of 70 to 80 people. I would be surprised if you didn't close more deals than probably the top three to five people put together. And you tend to talk about your family and about your wholesaling business and not much else. You're not really flashy about a lot of the stuff you're dealing with and what you're doing. And so I wanted to try to pry some of that out of you today. So with that being said, I've already talked too much. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure, man. Yeah. Grew up in Alabama. So graduated high school and all that from Alabama and joined the army right away. As I think I was hanging drywall at the time. And yeah, it was hard for me to decide if I wanted to buy beer or food kind of thing. So I ended up deciding I need a career. So joined the army and yeah, I spent 15 years in the army, did about 10 years as a truck driver, bunch of deployments and all that stuff. And then I switched over to special operations for like my last five years and I got medically retired and all that. But, but yeah, I was actively doing real estate, obsessed with it while I was in the military. Mornings, lunch, afternoons, dinner, dragging my family around on the weekends for six hours, driving for dollars and all that stuff. Right. But yeah, right now we got a a nice little wholesale business that's running pretty well. And most people will categorize me as a wholesaler, but I started off as a buy and hold investor. Like I wholesale, I assign deals in order to generate revenue to buy rentals. So it's, it's a means to an end kind of thing. But yeah, we got here in Fayetteville, we have 30 units. It's a mix of some small multifamily, some mobile home parks. We're now getting into commercial. So we got two commercial properties, warehouses that we own right now. And yeah, life is good. Life is good. Excellent, man. How many wholesale deals are you doing now a year or per month, however you want to categorize it, versus a couple of years ago? Yeah, last year we did, it was a total of 85 assignments or double closes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and of course, there's a handful of stuff that I bought as well. So 80 to 90 deals total, maybe, something like that. Getting it. Good for you, man. That's awesome. So tell me about when you said you first got started and you were obsessed with real estate, mm. what were you looking, when you pit, when you chose real estate, were you looking at what am I going to do after the military or what am I going to do that get going to get me to an end goal? 
And then what did your first foray into real estate look like? Obviously you had the benefit of, of being able to use hopefully a VA loan or something like that. I, tell me about what that looked like. What assets did you have to get started? And did that push you into wholesaling? Cause you didn't have the money. So you're trading for hustle for money. So walk me through quickly that first couple of years. Sure. Yeah. I think it was stationed in Germany at the time, but uh, there was a point when my wife and I were looking on Zillow and just clicking through stuff to buy here in Fayetteville to live in. And I was just clicking on Zillow for six, seven, eight hours. And I knew then there was like, I lost track of time and the wife had to remind me, Hey, you got to eat something. Did you use the bathroom? So like, I, I was just like zoned in on Zillow and I knew then there was some, right? Like the, just real estate clicks. In my, like I enjoyed looking at real estate kind of thing. So yeah, I started studying stuff and started going to the bigger pockets rabbit hole that everyone goes down when they initially start. And uh, yeah, my, actually, this is funny. My very, I think Brandon Turner said something about, this is how I heard it in my mind. Don't be a little punk, go out and make a move and buy something. Right. And so I heard Brandon Turner say something to that effect. And then, and then I bought a rice field in Indonesia. Great cash flow. (laughs) So my wife's Indonesian. Yeah, an opportunity popped up. So I I cashed out my Roth IRA and bought a rice field for $20,000. That was my very first investment. We're in the process of selling it right now. But yeah. Uh, Tale tale as old as time. I've heard that one a million times. That old chestnut. That's the strangest (laughs) beginning of real estate investing I've heard since. There's a woman who's a turnkey operator and her very first the real estate transaction was like some sort of development in Panama and she lost all of her money. Okay. At least, uh, yeah, at least you, the rice field is still there. That's yes, exactly. Interesting. No. We'll get more into international travel in a little bit. Okay. So that was oh, the yeah. first one. And you're like, I'm assuming that was the cash purchase, of course. But from there, you were like, maybe let's diversify out of agriculture in Indonesia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at that point, yeah, I basically just cashed out my retirement. I didn't have much more. So I was still studying and stuff. And then, but it was a long time before or after I, I bought that rice field before I bought my first rental. So my first rental was something I bought off the MLS. One of our friends from Five Pillars represented me on the sale. My first two purchases were rentals. So I came into this wanting to buy rentals, not wholesaling. That I was planning on buying from wholesalers, right? And, and I was planning on working with agents to find me deals, but I realized that I can find deeper deals. So I bought a couple of rentals and I've sold those because they doubled in value in the spike and all that. So like it was a return on equity thing, but, uh, but yeah, then I came across something that, that was talking about driving for dollars and people finding deals like 50 cents on the dollar kind of thing. I was like, really? That's a thing. So yeah, I hit the streets and, and my first wholesale deal was something I got under contract, totally intended to close on it and buy it myself. But a buddy of mine was like, Hey, let me get it. And I was like, sure, let's try out this assignment of contract. And I made like 3000 bucks and that was my first uh, wholesale deal. So it just happened by accident. And then I started going down that rabbit hole of active income with real estate via wholesale to generate more revenue so I can buy more property. Yeah. What time frame was that, Bob? So that was May of 2019. I bought wow. my first. That was your first, that was your first deal, May of 2019. That was my first rental. Yeah. Then soon after that, I bought another rental about six months later. And th- this was the burst strategy, just straight up burst strategy mm-hmm. for those, yep. I think. And then, and then, yeah, I did a wholesale deal after the second one. Yeah. 
you're talking about 2019. That's a pretty fast timeline. And if you talk about the velocity of what you've done, the amount of deals that you've closed, there's no way that anybody can ever do that with their own amount of capital. So you, you got to the young man trading hustle for money kind of a thing. And one of the things that I typically see, and I'm going to try to go through this very quickly, but a lot of times what I see with wholesalers or people starting out, a lot of people that are just getting started start with wholesaling because they don't have the capital to do more than a couple of deals on their own. Otherwise they hit that ceiling, right? So you start trading hustle for money. You're driving for dollars. You're cold calling. You're getting those deals. You're signing some deals. And then a lot of times those people realize, wow, there's some really good stuff here. I'm selling it to people and they're flipping it and making 30 to $50,000. I bet I could do that. So a lot of times that wholesaler will start flipping one or two properties and usually mess up on the first couple. You're supposed to make 30 grand and you make five or maybe you lose money or whatever, but it comes out in the walk and you're making up for yeah. with wholesale. So you flip a few properties and then a lot of times fast forward to those people go, oh, when I sell these properties, I can flip them. That's great, but I only get paid once. Or they'll do one of two things. They go, oh, I can make more money if I become a real estate agent. I can save myself the commissions when I sell them. But then they realize a lot of times, then you got to follow the rules. As a wholesaler, you're a hired gun and you can do what you want. So some go the agent route and some go the other route. And of the ones that go the other route, a lot of times they say, listen, I'm at the end of the day, I'm still trading time for money. When I wholesale a deal or when I flip a deal, I'm trading time for money. And the day I stop working is the day I stop work getting paid. So they start using those to buy rentals. It sounds like you started the opposite. Your intention was to buy rentals originally, and this was a means to an end. But then you start buying rentals. A lot of times you start buying single family, then you understand the power of multifamily. And then from there it progresses. And a lot of times people either get in short-term rentals or hotels or mobile home parks. Yeah. Eventually, the end destination of that is everybody over time has to make a transition. Of, they start to realize that at some point the time is worth more than the money. And so they start looking for investment strategies that can be more passive or that they either, like in my situation, we've got 14 short-term rentals and I thought that was going to be passive and it was anything but. So we had to build a property management company, which took two years to do, to make it quote, quote, passive, right? It's not passive. It's at this point, it's residual. I've got all the people in place and I don't have to do anything, but it was a couple of years of really hard work. Fast forward through your journey of 2019 to where you are now, it, of where along that spectrum, is that spectrum accurate? Is it not? And then what do your next five, 10 years look like? No, that, that's absolutely correct. So yeah, we're, I'm with you with, as far as building something out, struggling, hustling for a couple of years, getting the team in place and then kind of benefiting from the fruits of your labor. Cause we got a solid team right now, but it took time. It took time. And the cool thing about a wholesale business is that you can have a million dollar business with a team of five people, or even less sometimes, depending on the market. But kind of going a step back from that though, the reason why wholesale works for me is because I'm a sales and marketing guy and I enjoy the hunt of the deal and all that stuff. A lot of people get into wholesaling because they it's starting to become more mainstream. It's all over YouTube and you type in, make money fast, wholesaling pops up. And uh, But a lot of people get into it thinking they're gonna make some money, but it's not, it doesn't fit their personality traits. And then sure. they end up hating it and they blow 50, 60 K. And then, and then, yeah, they, you can't do what you don't like for an extended period of time. You might make a little bit, but so yeah, just to put a disclaimer there, I'm that guy that loves wholesaling, right? Yeah. It's, yep. But yeah, it's completely residual. Like I, I recently went on a trip. I, do we want to talk about the trip now? I got to hear about it. Lay it on me. You got to hear about it. Yeah. 
Yes. The reason why I was able to do the trip. Right, so let's just talk about it. So I went on a three-month trip. My wife's Indonesian. So we went and spent three months. I basically didn't open a laptop for three months. And very rarely did I even interact with my team. I would ask them if I, if I can help somehow, some way while I have some free time. My team just crushed it, man. So if you can build a team that can take care of stuff while you're gone, that's really what people are looking for when they say passive is to be able to dip out for three months and not have to open a laptop. Mm -hmm. But I was also able to do that because I have a portfolio that cash flows really well. And that is pretty dang passive. I got property managers and all that stuff. So they handle the portfolio. And I'm able to pull money out of that. I'm able to pull money out of my wholesale business as order distributions or whatever. But yeah, that, that took a fair amount of time to, to set that up. Since 2019, most people, it, it does take them a little, a bit longer to have that, that three month vacation. But uh, yeah, I just decided now's the time. And I was going to, it was really a test for my team in some way as well to see if they could perform without the daily input from the boss kind of thing. And they did, they did. But going back to the truly passive income stuff, the portfolio is not completely 100% passive. The wholesale business is not 100% passive. I'm at the point now where I can generate enough income from my active income from the wholesale business and drop it into a syndication, a buddy of mine or someone else that's experienced. I can drop it into their system, their process, and then generate that actually of income. And there's some other stuff that we're looking at too, is like single net or single tenant, triple net lease stuff, quite a bit more passive than the residential single family stuff that, that we have. But yeah, I'm on the hunt. I'm on the hunt for truly passive income. You've come to the right place. Yeah. So I want to ask a question. In Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, he uh, talks about once he started traveling and he had built a business, it forced him to build systems and build a team. And he actually made more money once he had removed himself as the bottleneck in that team, because now the team was free to do, to work within the system without you as the block. Did you experience that at all? Or did things start to fall apart or what? No, we didn't make more money. I'll tell you that. We did not make more money. No, things, things definitely started going the opposite direction. So. What I learned as a business owner is that if, because he probably had an operator that was managing stuff. So in my company, I don't have a meet like an operator. That's right. And then marketing is so important with wholesale. You got to keep your eye on the marketing, the, your key performance indicators, right? So some of that stuff started to slip, but, uh, but yeah, so keep keeping the, so now I'm back to, I'm involved. Now that I'm back in the States, I am absolutely involved again to get it ran back up. But the business was able to survive. It was not able to improve. And that's all my fault because I, we still had things that needed to be put in place before I actually probably should have done that. More systems, more SOPs, more checklists, more videos and all that stuff. But I'm totally fine with it. It's the time. It's the time, right? The time was worth losing out on some revenue, I'd say. And it was a test run. And yep. you didn't know, you didn't know what you didn't know. And now you went out and you, you stress tested it yeah. and you figured out, all right, here's where we're falling short. Here's where we need to plus up our team. You probably need somebody who's more of an integrator on your team. That's almost a you replacement. 
And then now go from there. You've only been doing this since 2019. It's you really expecting to just bam right off the bat, be able to, it's impressive. You were able to go away for three months and it still didn't come back to a smoking crater. Yeah. Since I got back, I've hired another acquisitions. That was part of the solution was another hire to relieve the stress from in the workload from our, the one acquisitions that was actually getting contracts. So yeah, we learned. Yeah. And what a valuable lesson to learn that lesson by itself. is important to learn it when you're traveling for three months abroad, sign me up. But like Neil said, it's a trial run. The, one of the pitfalls of being an entrepreneur and of being a sales and marketing, I'm a sales guy, I medical sales for 16 years. That's my background. And one of the pitfalls that you can fall into there, and I'm not saying I'm the best example, but on some level it applies to most people that are in that role is that whether you tend to like it or not, if you love it and you're passionate about it and you're good at it, a lot of times you are the business. And so when you take Bob out of the equation, it's unrealistic to get the same results because you are the business. And that's really hard to replace because you can't, you, you can't train the fire in the belly that you have. Like you, your level of success and what you've achieved since I met you just a few years ago, that's not something you can make enough videos on. And so that like, the Dan Sullivan book, Who Not How, was transformative for yes. me in, in our property management company because I was asking those entrepreneurial questions. How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? And then I, I listened to that book and the reality was, I don't need to know. I just need to find out who do I find or can find that does know how to do that at a better level than me. And when I got to the point of we, we found the people, and a lot of times it was right there in front of you. I just had to challenge them. The reality was when I stepped away from my medical sales career. And when I stepped away from the operations of our property management company, it was because the numbers made the decision for me. And the people that I had put in place, frankly, are better than I am. They're just better. And when I stepped away, it was like kind of dipping a toe out almost. Now let's see how this goes. And it did better than when I was there. And I was like, oh, that's humbling. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of suck compared to these people. They're really good. Yeah, but that's, that who not how book was, it was transformative for me, but it's a problem when you are, when you're doing everything that you've done is, is that you are the business, right? And so that's something that's, it's really hard. It's really hard to train for. And it's a pitfall. Yeah. yeah the, the who not how was super important for me too. Yeah. The, we, what's super important too is having the right people in the right seat and having a business. And then if you put someone in a seat. And they're floundering, right? Do another assessment of their personality, have an open conversation with them. Super, super important as leadership and all the stuff I learned in the military. You want to be approachable. Like your subordinates need to be able to talk to you, right? So I, a, a person that was sitting in the wrong seat, now she's working as our operations. So now I can use my visionary mind. And I just say, good ideas, blah. And I just, we have a good idea tracker, right? And I'm like, hey, Kaylin, can you go ahead and knock this stuff out? Can you do this research on this? And she'll come back with three courses of action. And I get to, de to decide which course of action we want to take versus spending three weeks learning how to do some technical stuff that's, that takes her probably a day, right? So, yeah, who not how having people in the right seat is super valuable. So something to keep in mind is that a lot of people can be very good how do I put this? Very good salesman, a very good marketer, but not such a good businessman. And I think that's the struggle that so many people have, whether it's a property manager who starts off really good 
and they really they're just on top of everything. But as they start to scale, things start to break because their zone of genius is so specialized into whatever it was that got them to where they are. And they struggle to find that who, not how, and to integrate that person into their business. And that sounds like you've gotten a lot of the way there, but it sounds like you could still get a lot further. Yeah. I, and this is what I struggle with often. And I think that three months in Indonesia helped me realize, and I'm part of some high level masterminds as well. And some very smart guys that I respect a lot. They put something in front of me at one point. It's been, I think about it all the time. Now I think I have the answer after the three months is that, do you want to have a lifestyle business or do you want to get rich business? So I'm at that point where, yeah, we have a million dollar wholesale business, but do I need to grow it to where it's a three, six, five million or $7 million wholesale business? Because with that, with the scale, like you said, then I get outside the genius zone that causes more stress. That's more people. That's it's, it requires a lot more. It's a different skill level. And I don't think it's necessary for what I'm trying to achieve. I was actually just telling my team the other day, I was like, guys, we're not building this thing out. I don't care if we close 80 deals a month or whatever. There's some of my buddies that close like realistically 30 to 50 deals a month, which is absurd, right? It's crazy. And they got whole teams, they got sales floors and they're managing and it's insane, right? And that's who I'm getting the phone calls from. Those are the students <laughs> that, that's, that are blasting your phone. Yes, that's them. <laughs> but yeah, so I've decided recently that I think I want a lifestyle business. Sometimes less is more, right? And, and it's yeah. the juice worth the squeeze. I think that having that time away for you is yeah. really valuable and helps you recenter. I stepped out of a medical sales career this past November, and it's it's been transformative for me to something that was such a big part of who I was for 16 years. I'm now just focused on syndication and still trying to pick up one or two multifamily properties a year. But on top of that, my wife and I just had a baby five days ago. So it's like the focus has been completely different. Truly Passive Income is the podcast that Neil and I host together that is focused on the educational platform for all things Truly Passive. Outside of that, syndication that we're partnered with, that we are general partners in right now, is called Nomad Capital. The reason we're partnered with that group is because of the people that are in it. Specifically, the two guys that we partnered with, Eric and Levi Hemingway, it, the reason it's called Nomad Capital is because it's father and son team, and they spent three and a half years living on a sailboat. Eric and his wow. wife had five kids. They left. They came back three and a half years later with six kids. So pretty good trip. They stopped and had a kid in Israel. Well, it's a whole story. But at some point in time, everybody on the team has been a real estate nomad. And a real estate nomad, in our opinion, is it's what you did for three months. It's a nomad is where you go, where you want, when you want, and you do what you want. And you've got that freedom to do that because you've got assets paying for that lifestyle. And they're either residual assets from a lot of years of hard work that you did to build up a team and assets and people in place that continue to fund that lifestyle. That's not passive, it's residual, but it's, it looks the same to the outside person. Or it can come, if you put capital, you know, any real estate success comes from a combination of time, experience, and money. And if you take that money and you invest it into somebody else's deal, somebody else's business, and they use their time and experience to grow that, then that can come out and be truly passive income 
along with a few other things that we've talked about in various episodes. But those at its basis level, our passion is to try to be, live, and build more real estate nomads where you go where you want, when you want, do what you want. Because everybody's looking for financial freedom, right? That's the grind. But financial freedom by itself doesn't get you much. But when it's combined with, and I've probably said this on every episode by now, financial independence that's combined with location and time independence gives you independence of purpose, right? And independence of purpose is where you go you take your kids and your wife and you go to Indonesia or whatever you, or you volunteer or you go skiing or fishing or build houses or whatever it may be, but you're getting your time back. And the way that we, the test run that you had on your business where you stepped away for a few months and it didn't increase and arguably over, it's sustained, but arguably over time, it it probably is going to decrease. Neil uses the analogy all the time of a steam locomotive of, you look, as long as you're shoveling that coal, you're rolling, right? But eventually, if you stop shoveling the coal, it can keep running for a period of time. But eventually, it's going to slow down and eventually it's going to stop without you there shoveling the coal. So that the goal is either to build a team that can keep shoveling coal for you while you get off at the next stop or to put yourself in a situation where you've taken the gains that you've got from what you're currently doing and investing in things that are truly passive to get that time back. With where you are now and you've had a taste of Look, three, that's a quarter of a year, man. That's, it's a big deal. It's a huge accomplishment. First of all, you should give yourself a giant pat on the back that you got to spend that time with your wife and your kids. And that's amazing. That's what everybody's going for. A lot of the people listening to this are trying to accomplish what you just did. And you'll say, that's a great test run. What Do you want to do more of that? What does that look like for the rest of your life? Obviously, you're talking about a lifestyle business. Does that mean a couple months here, a couple months at work, a couple months gone, a couple months back? And then... For the people that don't have the time or experience to put in the amount of work that you do and have done to get to this point, like from just a truly passive income standpoint, you have an unbelievable wealth of real estate knowledge right now. And it doesn't have to just be real estate, but what would you tell to other people that want to take three months a year and go to Indonesia or anywhere else? I'll tell you, because I talk to a lot of people. I help a lot of people. I talk a lot of people out of being wholesalers. <laughs> Good for you. Believe it as much as they want to do it or whatever. But yeah, they, a lot of people underestimate the amount of work and energy that it takes to build something, right? The amount of obsession, right? If you're not, all right, all right, Clint, I got to say for you, I didn't realize that you just retired or you just separated. You stopped your W-2 in November. I know what you built. And I thought you were full-time a long time ago, bro. Cause that's super <laughs> people. Don't, and I know the work you put in and it's gotta be similar to mine, right? Just pure obsession yeah. over an extended period of time. I stopped watching football. I stopped going out and drinking. I stopped all the stuff that people consider a good life and all. I stopped all that to achieve my goals, right? Most people aren't going to cut that off for about three years, four years, right? They want to enjoy their weekends. They want to have that $700 truck payment, right? That, which that could be money invested into your business, which will result in a three-month hiatus, right? So a lot of people aren't willing to sacrifice now for the benefit later, right? And th- to answer your question about what we're going to do in the future is I'm selling some stuff and we're going to buy a villa. Oh, all right. Yeah. Hey, 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 there we go. <laughs> going to Bali. <laughs> We've got some place to go in Bali now. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're invited. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're selling the rice field and then we're selling, I got 20, 
hopefully we get our money back. Anyway, this is the best interview ever. We're selling the rice field. We're, I got 26 acres out here in Tar Hill, just like 30 minutes south of me on the way to your spot on 87, you know? Yeah. And then we're selling that and we're going to sell our primary and we got a bunch of equity and we're going to go buy, we're going to go buy a villa. Yeah. The stress test has helped me realize that I can do this. I can run this business from afar. I just have to be more involved and continually pump, shovel that coal into the steam engine versus the three months. I didn't shovel. I didn't pick up a shovel. Really, I run my business virtually anyway. We don't have an office. We got a team of five, six now. And I, I don't walk houses very much. I'm just looking at commercial stuff now. Anything commercial gets pushed to me. But yeah, I can manage this business from afar. So my daughter's already gotten signed up for school. So we'll be out of here by like August. That's amazing. Congratulations, man. Yeah, that's fantastic. So one of the things I love about that story is how much it aligns with the whole concept of a real estate nomad. Yes. And is that one of the things we love about real, we all love about real estate is that you can use the power of leverage. And for me, when you're able to create a stream of income or some sort of wealth that allows you to then take the money that you've earned in a, not a, necessarily a high cost of living area, but an area where there's opportunity and then take it and spend that money someplace where the money goes 10, 20, 30 times as far is such, it's double leverage. And it's something I love and it's I dream about this all the time. I don't know that my in-laws are going to let me move my family to Bali anytime soon, but <laughs> it, it's a squad. It can be on my bucket list. I've got it up there on my vision board. But so I applaud that. That's fantastic. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's a huge deal. So for people not able to reap the rewards of effort you've been putting in essentially for the last four years and the years all before that, when you were doing research and learning and just being a sponge, what's the best way that you think other people can get involved in truly passive income? I know that as a wholesaler, and you've probably done some flips and probably been involved hard money lenders and things like that. And you're obviously aware of syndication. You've been doing observations there. What is the best way in your mindset moving forward for you to take money that you have coming out and turn it into truly passive income or for other people, things that they can start educating themselves on to end up in Bali one day with the lifestyle paid for by truly passive income? Yeah. First off, people have to find a way to increase their income, right? Like you need a way to generate active income so that you can ultimately dump that into something that will produce truly passive income. It's just not going to come out of anywhere. So e even if you're an operator and you're running the syndication, that's not passive, brother. That's right. I've been part of those masterminds and that is work. And I pulled out of that mastermind because I don't want to run a syndication. It's a special person to run that. A very like smart, intellectual, you guys, right? I <laughs> am not that guy. I want to be hitting the streets with shaking hands, kissing babies with grandma, right? That's just my personality. And that's what I learned about myself, right? But I tell folks, try to find a way within real estate to generate active income. Maybe that's rehabbing, that's wholesaling, that's property management. Whatever you're doing, generate active income in the industry and do something that is in line with your personality, one. That's super important to me. And then after you get that built out, then you start taking that money after you got a set business, and then you start dumping it 
into syndications or single tenant triple net leases or, or some sort of other thing like that. If you want truly passive income, and there's a lot of a lot of buddies, right? Every, some Fayetteville five pillar buddies, they're selling off some of their stuff because they realize that having a hundred units might not be the smartest thing. It's not passive and expenses are crazy. And there's a lot of unknowns when you buy stuff like that, but it can help you get to a certain point. But then when, after you get 30 to 50 units, what's another 200 bucks in cash flow after you do a bird deal? Eh, not worth it, right? It's not, not worth that. It's a lot of work. So once you've got that portfolio of like single family and some smaller deals that can help with some of that income that you're trying to generate, then at some point you just got to dump it into something bigger, right? And then at that point, hopefully you're looking for some tax benefits, right? And that's actually what I'm dealing with right now. So I might be dumping some cash into one of y'all's deals because I need some of those tax benefits. Super important. Yeah. The put a bow on that. It's you got to do something. You don't have to do something in the real estate, but you need to generate some high income. Go out and get an education, become a doctor. If you love being a doctor, take that cash and dump it into someone else's deal. Don't try to learn it. It's too much. Don't do that. Just do what you love, generate the income, and then dump it into passive streams of income. All right, Bob, my last question. How do you like to give back? Simply just getting on the phone and helping people that just need a little bit of guidance, right? They've some, I've had experiences of being able to help people go from zero deals to generating like three deals a month or just talking to people about specific situations, right? I don't charge for coaching. I don't do any of that. Before I went on the trip to Indonesia, I actually had a calendar, like a Calendly link set up. I was taking calls throughout the week and just simply getting on the phone and helping people achieve their goals in real estate. So I'm a believer in, so somebody that's just trying to start, or maybe they've done three or four deals, they shouldn't be reaching out to Grant Cardone for some help, even though he's the guru or the best or whatever, right? You might not want to reach out to those guys. You might want to reach out to someone that's about a couple years ahead of you, right? And then you learn from that person. And then it's like a, a, in like a cog in the wheel or whatever the saying is. But you ultimately level up by hanging out with people and talking with people that are just a couple levels above you because they haven't forgotten what hardship. Because I remember it was just like a little bit ago. I remember what hard work is, right? Maybe somebody that's got a, something crazy big maybe they, uh, they don't resonate with the little guy anymore kind of thing. But yeah, the way I give back is just getting on the phone with people all the time, all the time. It's, maybe it's too much in, in helping. Yeah. Robert Shortsleeves, thank you so much for sharing with us and our audience today. If people want to reach out to you and find out more about what you're all about, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, if, if anyone's interested in off-market deals here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, you can go to shortsleevesrealestate.com, get added to our, our email distro. We'll, we push out, seems like three deals a week. And then, uh, yes, you guys want to add me on Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever. Yeah, Bob Sleeves on both of those. Sounds great. All right. Hey, Bob, thank you for making the time for this, especially with such a, a lot to plan for over the next few months. I can't wait to see your success. And uh, please keep posting pictures so that we can follow your adventure. Will do, brother. Thank you so much for listening and watching the Truly Passive Income podcast. If you liked the show, if you think it would be useful for someone else, the greatest compliment that you could give us would be to share the episode, leave a comment down below, or leave us an honest review. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to let us know down below. And remember, with truly passive income, 
comes freedom of time, place, and the freedom to pursue your higher purpose.